Hi everyone, Lars Hammer here from Lord of Grace Lutheran Church here in Marana, Arizona. Welcome back as I continue my little Bible studies talking about spiritual gifts and spiritual encounters. This is the third where we're continuing to look at Moses in the Old Testament. So we're beginning at the very, uh, not the very beginning, but close to the beginning of the Bible. And we're gonna keep looking at different people who encounter God and different people who are given specific callings and gifts. And what does that mean? What can we learn from it? Again, I'm dovetailing this with a sermon series that I'm doing on Sundays, more specifically about spiritual gifts. So let's take a little look here at uh, Exodus chapter 19. So we, where we are now is Moses has brought the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. So we had all the plagues. We had the parting of the Sea of Reeds. They went off into the Sinai Desert now. So they've been out for a little while and the people are getting restless and Moses is trying to manage them all. And so, and so God basically comes and says, look, I, I, I need to do a little intervening here to get people through. So we're gonna start in chapter 19 and all the way down uh, at verse seven. So Moses came, summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words that the Lord had commanded him. The people all answered as one, everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud in order that the people may hear when I speak with you and so trust you ever after. When Moses had told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and prepare for the third day because on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set limits for the people all around saying, be careful not to go up the mountain or to touch the edge of it. Any who touch the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch them, but they shall be stoned or shot with arrows. Whether animal or human being, they shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they may go up on the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people. He consecrated the people and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, prepare for the third day. Do not go near a woman. Okay, lots to unpack here. First thing is God goes to Moses and, or Moses goes to God and brings all these concerns to the people. And God says, all right, how about I'll put a big cloud on top of the mountain and you come up and then I'll talk. And then they'll be able to hear me talking down below. My voice will be so big that they'll hear me. They won't see anything because all they'll have is a cloud, but they will hear me. And when they hear my words, then they'll trust you. That's, that's what God's assuming, right? They'll take Moses seriously when Moses sees uh, that God is in fact giving him his orders and it's not just Moses making this stuff up. And so, uh, so that's what he says. I, you know, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud in order that the people may hear when I speak with you. So that's the first part. 
God's going to speak in a dense cloud. God's not going to come face to face with everybody. God's not going to come face to face with everybody in the camp, no matter what. He's only going to reserve that, again, for certain people who are chosen. And that's an important idea to remember. Not that God doesn't choose everyone to be saved or God doesn't choose everyone to be a follower, but that when it comes to these specific encounters, they happen on God's terms and when God chooses to do them. And they're not just sort of sprayed everywhere, right? And so then God gets all into this holiness stuff. What you touch, what you don't touch consecrating. So what God wants the people to do is spend two days purifying themselves. Two days. Don't, don't eat the wrong food. Uh, don't, you definitely can't. No sex. Uh, you can't do that. Um, and since it's only men that are going up the mountain, uh, do, don't, go, don't even go near a woman. Uh, you know, a, a lot of this stuff. And then you get this weird law about you can't go touching the mountain. So you can hike up it, but you don't get to touch it with your hands. Don't, don't get your paws all over it, right? And if somebody does, uh, you have to take them out. <laughs> Excuse me. But you can't touch them either because once they've touched the mountain, they're unclean. So you can't pick them up and beat them up. Use rocks or arrows. Cruel? You bet it is. And does it seem over the top? Yeah. But what, what can we gain, learn from this? What I saw you know, in this is this sense that encountering God is a special thing and that there are times and places that are holy and they're special and they're not like just any other place anywhere at just any other time. If you're going to be in the presence of God, he's saying, at least in this time, there needs to be something, some set aside. There needs to be a level of respect and deference given to God, where God isn't cheap. And I know we really look down on sort of, uh, on, on rituals that in ritual cleansing and purity, and, and I think this would have been easier to understand, you know, say in the 50s where, you know, you did not go to church in your blue jeans, and, you know, you, you had almost like rituals you would do before you'd go to church, that there were certain things you did in church that you didn't do outside. There were certain things you said, there were certain words you couldn't use. There was a sense of separation. Not that the building was magical, but that by me going through the process of, create, of separating myself, I'm distancing myself from the world at large, in a sense. I'm, I'm maybe putting on my nicer clothes. It's just all ways of showing respect and saying that now I'm going into a holy place. The place I'm going is holy ground. I'm going to encounter God. And, you know, there's sort of a saying that if something becomes everything, then it becomes nothing, right? If something is so wide open, an idea is so wide open that it includes absolutely everything, then it really has no distinction. It's no, if it is everything, then it's nothing. And, and so if, if God can be everywhere equally, is God nowhere? I'm not sure they'd say that, but there was definitely a sense that not everywhere, all the time, in every place is equally holy. Not that God isn't present, 
that God isn't watching, but that, that real close encounter with the presence of God is not just any place, any time. And it isn't like going through the process of purifying yourself and all these things makes God appear. But it does do, it does serve the purpose of sort of distancing ourselves from daily life, which is again a theme that I've talked about before, right? That sometimes we need to spend a little bit of time distancing ourselves, detoxing ourselves from the world around us, detoxing from the stress, detoxing from worldly ideas and their pressures and their values. And the ancients would talk about it in these kind of ritual terms, purity, consecration. But, you know, the idea of spending time to separate so that we can open ourselves for an encounter with God is not fundamentally bad. And the idea of spending two days, you know, of getting away and spending two whole days, which I know is really hard for us today, but if you did do it, if you went away and you spent two days kind of detoxing from stuff and just focusing on God, and then on the third day you really focused on prayer, I think there's a better chance that you will encounter God, or at least you'll you, you at least you'll be able to better understand in prayer. Your prayer life will be more centered, more focused. So there's a sense. This is the sense of the holiness. The encounter with the holy is not an encounter of just anyone, anywhere, anytime, any place. And that the separation isn't to be stuffy. It isn't to ruin your fun. Um, it isn't to make you change, sort of change your casual personality. God isn't saying anything about Moses putting on fancy clothes, just that everything has to be cleaned. And before you go up the mountain, you need to sort of purify yourself. So those aren't bad ideas with a spiritual life. Again, to spend some time detoxing and to take seriously the idea of the holy and the idea that the encounter with God often requires some separation. And then one final thing that I think is important to remember here in this is that Moses is going up into a cloud. So he's not going up to stand at the top of the mountain. His encounter with God will not be a great sweeping vista. His encounter with God will be pretty much darkness. It's like a fog at night, you know, and there may be lightning and peals of thunder within the cloud. Some of that stuff will happen. But for the most part, he's going up and he's going into a cloud where he can basically see nothing. So it's not, it's, it's not that Moses' encounter with God is through the lights or through the trees or through the mountains. It's in not seeing, which again, we'll see more of later in a future encounter that Moses has with God. Uh, but this is how God works. It's a holy place, but it's again, it's entering into the dark mystery of God. So thanks for coming along on this journey. And we're going to continue. We'll look a little bit more at Moses. Uh, more another journey. We got another journey up the mountain coming up next. So uh, thanks, for pay thanks for following along. Have a great day.